today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is what? Wonderful. Remember Isaiah, the names of the coming Messiah? Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God. It's an interesting aspect too when you throw in that passage in Isaiah. Speaking of the coming one, the Redeemer, he is also going to be called Almighty God. Jesus Christ receiving that same name, Almighty God. We pull all of these things together. We have a tendency in the modern church to discount the Old Testament as being less relevant than the New. It seems to be a different era in God's dealings with man, in which he operated more in wrath than in grace. Throughout today's message, Pastor David will lead us on a journey through many accounts from before Christ's birth that describe encounters between Christ and man. These interactions offer a foreshadowing or hint at the incredible love God would demonstrate by sending Jesus. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Genesis chapter 12 as he continues his message, Christ Before Bethlehem. He moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai to the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And this was literally that point in time of of God's bringing Abram, not only to faith, but into submission, bringing him into that journey of his life with God. So Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. There's another one here. Uh, Look over in Genesis 18, another one still with uh, Abraham. In Genesis 18, beginning in verse 1, then again, Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord, appeared to him, speaking of Abram, or Abraham, appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And so he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, and now that's a smaller cow. He's not recognizing him as Jehovah at this point in time. He just sees three men coming. And so that is the word also that would be sir or, or, or good master, uh, a, just a, a, uh, a, a polite terminology. My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little uh, water be brought, wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread, and you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you say. 
And a little bit later on in that passage, we won't read the whole thing, but again, one of the men began to describe to Abraham what was going to happen, that they were going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and because of the wickedness that has risen to the nostrils of God, they were going to destroy those cities. Look here down in verse 22. Then the men turned away from there, which we believe are angels, okay? When you look at the whole situation, when you look into the following chapters, they are angels of the Lord. Then these turned away from there, and they went on to Sodom. But Abraham still stood before who? Before the Lord. We see in the dialogue that goes on prior to this, we find that uh, Abraham recognizes who he is. Now a discussion begins with them. Verse 23, And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then he begins that bargaining with God. And I, 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 I love this passage because there's like so much there that we can learn that, uh, man, when it seems like, man, this is just the way it's going to happen. You know what? I think that we can plead with God. Now, the other thing, though, that you see is it didn't really work out anyway, did it? God, God knew how many, and he knew what the situation was going to be. I mean, Moses goes, Would you, what, if, what if there's 50 uh, righteous people there? Uh, no, I, I, nah, I wouldn't destroy it for, you know, if there's 50, that's fine. Oh, well, what, what if there's 40 there? Would you destroy it? Nah, well, if there's 40, we'll let it ride. It'll be fine. Well, gee, what if there's like 30 and 20 and 10 and all the way, God said, ah, that's fine. But when he got to 10, that's enough. That was it. Why? Because how many did he find there in Sodom and Gomorrah? He found Lot, his wife, and his three daughters, even his three sons-in-laws, did not come. I, I, I bring all that to you, to, again, Abraham is speaking, he's talking, he's having a verbal conversation with the manifestation of God before his very face, okay? Let's look at another one, still in Genesis. This one with Jacob. Uh, again, a very familiar passage, Genesis 32, In Genesis 32, down in verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And what happened? A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he, speaking of the man, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he, the man, touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he, the man, said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he, the man, said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And then he, the man, said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked the question, Well, tell me what your name is, I pray. And the man said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And then verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Why? Because I've seen who? God face to face. And my life is preserved. And then on the story goes from there. Let's look at another one real quick. Exodus chapter 3. Just keep moving to your right. I think I have them all in order. Exodus chapter 3. 
story of Moses and the burning bush. Beginning in verse 2, we know he's tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, but in verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So it's not a man. It's not a man like Abraham had coming and talking to him. It's not a man like uh, uh, Jacob had that he wrestled. No, now there's a bush that's burning. There was a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush doesn't burn. So just out of curiosity, how come that thing keeps burning? uh, Moses goes up to it. Verse four. So when the Lord, again, Jehovah, Yahweh, saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, the Lord, Jehovah, God, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am who? God. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That pretty well seals the deal right there, isn't it? I mean, there's no doubt about who that is that's speaking to Moses at this point in time. And so what happened? Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now, At the very beginning, though, did you catch that phrase? The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. And yet at the same time, he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Why? Because he knew who he was dealing with. He was dealing with God Almighty there, the flame, the angel of the Lord, however you want to make that uh, work. There's a few more things of uh, dealing with these God sightings in the Old Testament, but I want to shift right now and specifically to the appearances of what's called the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. There's a few of them that we'll look at tonight. There's, there's many in the Old Testament. There's a few of them that we're going to take the time to look at. Genesis chapter 16. Okay, you do have to back up. Genesis 16. This is the story of Hagar. Remember Sarah's handmaid. The handmaid that, again, uh, uh, the, the jealousy of Sarah because, again, they circumvented God's plan. You know that story. The jealousy that came from Sarah because she could not have children. Hagar, her handmaid, had Abraham's child. And so through all of that, this, this jealousy that came. And, and, and so it finally came to that point in verse 6. Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. In other words, Hagar fled from Sarah's presence. Now, verse 7. Now, who? The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way of Shur. And he said, he spoke to her, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants uh, exceedingly. 
so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And uh, down in verse 13, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. And so she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bereath. She's saying, I saw the Lord, the Lord saw me. So again, Hagar understood who she was speaking with at that point in time. Let's now look over at uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Story of Balaam, the uh, prophet for hire. That again, uh, he would he would try to say anything or do anything that uh, uh, he was paid for. And uh, Balak uh, again, uh, he's he's the, the the king that's opposing Israel, and so uh, he hires Balaam to come and speak against Israel. He tries it a few times, but it doesn't work. And then finally, they come to the situation where, well, maybe if you try this, this will work. Well, God's anger arose against Balaam. Look down in verse 22. God's anger was aroused because he went. And who? The angel of the Lord look his, took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he, Balaam, was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Balaam didn't, but the donkey did. He saw him standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Just a short side note here. Just in my experience as a believer, I've seen animals that have acted really squirrely at times, and I I really feel that sometimes those animals have a, a spiritual sense that a lot of humans don't. Well, here I tell you, a donkey did. Okay, the donkey did. Uh, The angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on the side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall, crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and so he struck her again. Verse 26, Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, She just flat laid down under Balaam. So Balaam's anchor was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. And this is the great part. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey said to Balaam, What have I done to you? Now that ought to get your attention, okay? (laughs) Maybe your dog doesn't sense spiritual things, but if your donkey started talking to you, that would get your attention. And Balaam, he's going to have a conversation with the donkey. That's, That's even stranger. Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me. I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? Balaam said, Well, no. Uh, In verse 31, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing there. Uh, with the drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And on again, that conversation goes on. The donkey saw him first, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes to be able to see again the angel of the Lord. Go on to Judges. Judges chapter 2. In Judges chapter 2, we hear again the angel, verse 1, then the angel of the Lord 
came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt and I brought you to the land for which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down your altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and began to weep. The angel of the Lord came and spoke to the people of Israel. The angel of the Lord. It wasn't that he gave the message to Joshua. Joshua's not even, even in the picture. The, it wasn't that he gave it to one of the judges. No, the angel of the Lord. Now, I understand also that the very word angel can also be interpreted messenger. We see that even when we get into Revelation, the angels of the church is there. But in this case, this individual, this angel of the Lord that we see throughout the Old Testament in these kinds of situations, I believe is a very distinct, direct person. Look still in Judges, go over to Judges chapter 6, where the angel of the Lord appears before Gideon. Judges chapter 6, and I'll show you the difference here. Down in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Aberzite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, understand here, the angel of the Lord is now speaking to Gideon and says, The Lord... Jehovah, Yahweh, is with you. Just consider the dialogue there. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all of his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then what does it say in 14? Then who? The Lord. Not the angel, but it's directly the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Well, he's still not real sure on who he's dealing with here, and he starts making excuses. My clan is small, and I'm the least of my father's house. In verse 16, Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord, said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he says, well, okay, if, if, if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it really is you that, that talks to me. I, I want to know that this is really God that's speaking to me. So don't leave here. I'm going to go get my offering and set it up before you. And he says, okay, I'll wait here. And so Gideon went. He prepared the young goat and, and the, flour, the unleavened bread. He put the meat in a basket and, uh, and, and broth in a pot. And he brought it out there. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay it on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived 
that he, the one who just left, was the angel of the Lord. And what did he say? So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's not saying I've seen just an angel. No, I've seen the angel of the Lord. There's a special presence there. The Lord himself, I've seen him face to face. He presented this offering to them. This angel received that offering. We see all throughout the word. The difference between a theophany or a Christophany is the fact that if an angel says, no, 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 don't, don't worship me, don't bow before me, that's just a regular angel. But if that angel receives worship, then it is either a Christophany or a theophany. We'll get at that in just a moment. One more real quick, uh, still in Judges, uh, Judges 13, Samson, the birth of Samson, his parents. Manoah's wife was, was barren, she had no children, down in verse 3, says the angel of the Lord appeared to her, said, hey, I know you're barren, you have no children, but you're going to conceive, you're going to bear a son, and so because of that, please be careful, don't drink wine or similar drink, don't eat anything unclean, for behold, you shall conceive, you'll bear a son, no razor is going to come upon his head, the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And again, Uh, she goes home and tells her husband, a man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Now, how did she know that? Was there an understanding that, man, the very brilliance, the presence of God himself, is is that what she's explaining? Uh, She says, I I didn't ask where he was from and he didn't tell me his name, but he said, hey, I'm going to conceive and make sure you don't do all these things. So Manoah prayed to the Lord, said, Lord, if that really was you, show me again. And so verse nine, God listened to the voice of Manoah and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. Then she ran in haste. She told her husband, look, the man of God is here again. And so in verse 11, Manoah rose, followed his wife, and they came to the man and he said to him, are you what? The man who spoke to this woman. And the angel of God, the angel of the Lord said, I am. And he said, okay, then let your words you know, be true and, and the boys will, you know, will take care of him and his work. And so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. And again, gave the restrictions. And Manoah down in verse 15 said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord, even at this point. Now then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, what does he say? Why do you ask my name? seeing that it is what? Wonderful. Remember Isaiah, the names of the coming Messiah? Wonderful counselor, almighty God. It's an interesting aspect too when you throw in that passage in Isaiah. Speaking of the coming one, the Redeemer, he is also going to be called Almighty God. Jesus Christ receiving that same name, Almighty God. We pull all of these things together. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. 
Christmas time has arrived again, and with it, the typical carols, decorations, and events of the season. We're so glad that today you've taken the time to study God's Word with us and rejoice in the true reason for the season, Jesus Christ. How can we be praying for you during Christmas? We'd love to know, as well as how we can be joining you in praise for all God's doing. Would you give us a call? We can be reached at 520-836-9676. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor David's teachings, you'll find them online at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. Come by Calvary Chapel Casa Grande this weekend to join us for worship and Bible study. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again, or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me again next time. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Merry Christmas.